Welcome to The Square, your podcast from the Iowa League of Cities, bringing you current and important topics from around the state to your town square with our hosts, Mickey Shields, the Director of Membership Services, and Katie Wheeler, the League's Business Relations Coordinator. Our hosts bring you topics that matter to your town square. Hey, I'm not going to say anything. Hey, Mickey, welcome back to The Square. Welcome back. Thank you. How are, How are you? you? I'm doing good. How are you today? <laughs> it's like we've never done this before. Yeah. Uh, well, I am doing quite well. I Thanks, have uh, to ask, yeah. Mickey. I see a coffee cup here. <clears throat> I thought you were going to cut back. I thought so, too. And uh, I just, I think it's full-on addiction at this point. We're recording in the afternoon uh, this month for our the square. Normally do the morning, so I'll, you know, a cup of coffee is maybe more appropriate. But, yeah, it's like mid-afternoon and... I'm now a mid-afternoon coffee guy. Mm-hmm. Well, we're here to support you, Thank you. in all of your issues. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, there's, this is one of many. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there could be I worse. I appreciate that support. Anything I can help you with. Mm. I'll let you know my list when yeah. we're done here. Oh, thanks. Okay. Hey, so what's going on? We've got uh, this little thing called the legislative session happening, mm-hmm. right? we got some people going up to the Capitol. Yes, yeah. Daniel and Robert. Yep. We just had our uh, league board visited the Capitol um, recently here uh, to do their board legislative day. And then we also invite cities to take part in what we call My Legislative Days, where you can have individual visits at the Capitol and meet with our government affairs team, Robert Palmer and Daniel Stalder. They'll kind of give you a walk around the issues of what's going on right now at the Capitol and also help you meet with your local state representatives and state senators. I think that is a great idea. And I think I've heard that they've gone really well. Yeah. yeah. So if you haven't scheduled yours, I think you should reach out to Daniel today and get it done. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We also need to quickly recognize one of our colleagues. Uh, Actually, he was featured in our last episode of The Square as our Get to Know the League Mm -hmm. staff interview, and that's Scott Smith. He recently received one of the most important awards that we hand out internally in this office, and that is the Best Administrative Helper. I have wanted to win this award for a while, and Shannon refuses (laughs) to give it to me. um, This award goes to the person who helps the most or helps the best Mm. with our directory update process, which, Katie, describe what what we do with our directory. Yeah, so cities send us their information. We get it updated. If we don't hear from you, we will reach out to to you Mm -hmm. and... We get it all updated. I believe all 942 cities are complete. So now we'll have a few changes here and there, and then it gets over to art for layout and then sent to the printer, and it will mail out later this year. Yeah, it's so a, a new big directory. job. Yeah, and it's a huge job. We are excited yes. to be on our way. So we do that after every city election process because obviously mm-hmm. we, the cities have a bunch of new contact information and new people serving. And so it's a good uh, process and it's a good product at the end, but it is a lot of work. So one of the things we ask our staff to do is if they meet somebody new or talk to a city when they're out on the road or on the phone, to try to get them to turn in their directory update. And this year, I guess, Scott really uh, took the lead on that. So congratulations. I have to wait a couple more years to try to win that award. It's so. going to be me next time. <laughs> well, Queen Shannon will have something to say mm-hmm. about that. I'm sure when, she wouldn't give it to me anyway. <laughs> well, uh, this month we are going to have a fun chat with uh, Grinnell's police chief, Dennis Riley. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dennis talks about... 
how he got, in, uh, got to Iowa, how he became a police chief, and the, the true meaning of uh, community service. All right, well, we are very happy to welcome to the square Grinnell P- Police Chief Dennis Riley. Dennis, how are you doing? Very well, and yourself? Not too bad. We're in uh, kind of the midst of city budget season, and uh, things are starting to finally slow down a bit, and city, uh, cities are getting through their budget process, thankfully, and hopefully everybody can exhale once we get through March and get everything adopted. Uh, so it's uh, it's kind of a hectic season every year as cities get their budgets done, but it's obviously very important work, as you know. So uh, here at the League, we get a lot of questions on the budget, as you can imagine, so it's it's been fun. So anyways, um, thanks again for joining us. And just to help our listeners understand who we're speaking with, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, um, where you went to school, college, anything interesting uh, about your childhood that you might want to share with our listeners? Sure. So I was born and raised in New Jersey in a town called Mars Plains, which was about, or which is about 30 minutes outside of New York City. I was in Morris Plains with my parents, Marty and Marilyn, and my sister, Kathy, and grew up in Morris Plains, went to a parochial high school in the area before attending St. Bonaventure University in upstate New York, which I think in the long run conditioned me for the winters in Iowa. Uh, Since since, since, uh, St. Bonnie's is only about an hour and 15 minutes south of Buffalo, we pretty much had snow from... Halloween to spring break, so um, and sat at the base of the Allegheny Mountains. So really, the cold again. I I think I've thickened up and uh, yeah. really doesn't bother me too much. That's good. Um, after graduating St. Bonaventure, I started my law enforcement career. Shortly after that, uh, I attended Seton Hall University, where I received my master's degree in education. Um, wow. I, I was also fortunate enough through my law enforcement career to a- attend the FBI National Academy, which is a 10-week program for law enforcement executives. Um, and I find myself blessed and privileged to have done that because less than 1% of law enforcement executives nationwide get to attend that program. Wow. Uh, what brought me to Iowa eventually was, as part of the course, it's all about a girl. <laughs> I met a girl from Ames in in 1988. She hired my sister. Uh, she was the my wife was the director of sales at a hotel in the town where I worked, and she had the fortune or misfortune, depending on who you ask, about uh, uh, hiring my sister. And uh, the rest is history. She did her 20 plus years tour of duty in New Jersey uh, before we moved here to Grinnell in 2012. Holy cow. That is a pretty unique story. I think uh, for many of the interviews we've had with city officials, uh, a lot of them grew up in Iowa, of course, and that's how they even got connected to their local government. So um, your story is a little bit different, but that's, you know, it's pretty cool that that's how you landed here in Iowa. And we're certainly glad you did. Um, uh, You know, that's uh, what, so what did your wife want to move back to the state? Is that kind of the motivation after being out east? Uh, actually, I I think it was uh, mutual. We had been coming out here two three times a year since her family was out here, and and we have 
two beautiful daughters, Megan and Caitlin, and so we would bring Kate, Megan and Caitlin out here to to see the other side of the family, and they would spend uh, they would spend uh, three weeks here during the summer. We called it Camp Grandma O. <laughs> and so for the amount of time that we spent out here through the years, I I knew pretty early on that we would probably at some point um, end up out here. And so when the job opening came up in Grinnell, I was actually looking and saw it and actually reached out to a friend of mine through the National FBI National Academy. He, he's an officer in Urbandale. He's actually the chief of police in Urbandale now. Mm-hmm. Um, and asked him about Grinnell, and he had a positive perspective on things. And so I, I pursued it with my wife's encouragement. So it was, a, it was, it was mutual that yeah. we, it was time to head out this way. That's awesome. What motive, What motivated you to get into law enforcement to begin with? So my parents always instilled in me uh, about giving back to the in, to the community. Uh, my father was a police officer during my preteen through college years. Um, I was fortunate enough to live in the same home as as my my hero, my father. Um, and so early on, I, I wanted to be like my father. Um, but as time went on and I grew older, it, it just became something that I was intrigued with, and and I wanted to help my community and give back to my community. Um, so that that really set everything in motion for me. My father wanted me to pursue a career in federal law enforcement. Hmm. So for th- three of my four years at St. Bonaventure, I was an accounting major with the plan of, of getting my accounting degree, becoming a CPA, and then going into federal law enforcement. Um, but truthfully, I just didn't see myself uh, going down that accounting road and changed my major to management uh, and marketing and uh, uh, was fortunate enough to apply to the Morris Township Police Department in the spring of 1987. Uh, was a little taken back when I walked into the testing facility and there were 250 plus candidates in the room, um, and I ended up coming out number one in the process. Holy so, cow! Uh, I was blessed to be hired on by Morris Township and and had a uh, a fantastic 25 year career there where I I left as chief. Wow! Yeah. Well, I'm sure having the your father teach you the ropes a little bit it helps quite a and then helps out quite a bit and then uh, obviously your passion for serving the public came through. So is that kind of you just worked your way up through uh, the ranks there to become the chief? Yes, um, you know, truthfully, I, I never really, for a vast majority of my career, really never thought or gave it much thought in terms of where I wanted to end up. I had various assignments in Morris Township over the years, whether it was a patrol officer, a patrol sergeant, patrol lieutenant, uh, detective lieutenant, um, administrative and operations captain. I I enjoyed each position very much, and so I was, I guess I was satisfied, if you will, with wherever I was at in the department. But I guess it was when I became a captain that I got more of that administrative side uh, feel for things. And and it was probably around that time I, I I set the goal for myself that that someday I would like to be the chief there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So one thing, um, 
we like to kind of help. One of the reasons we interview city officials for the podcast is to help our listeners, which some of which are citizens, and they may not know uh, the inner workings of their city government and how operations are handled. So with police and law enforcement, uh, what, what's a typical day look like for you personally as the chief, but also as your department as a whole, the different uh, police officers going on patrol or working with your Grinnell College folks and meeting with different neighborhoods uh, and citizens around the community? So whether it be me or my officers, um, one of the, the the intriguing things about this profession is no two days are ever the same. And, yeah. and, and I guess from my perspective, uh, for an agency of, of 14 officers, um, you know, that, that holds true for me. So uh, I obviously do a lot of administrative tasks, whether that's policy review and updates, as you mentioned, that the onset budgeting, you know, we're mm-hmm. just finishing up the, the budget process. Uh, I actually received an updated draft of the, the budget this morning. Um, knock on wood, it looks like we'll be relatively good this next budget year. Um, you know, looking for grants. Um, I have a new captain, so helping him um, get his feet wet and transition into the position. I've kind of taken on some responsibilities that the captain generally does so as to not uh, inundate the, the captain. So, you mm-hmm. know, for the last two hours, I've been working on the upcoming schedule um, for next month. We're, we're short two officers due to retirement while we're in the process of trying to fill those slots, nonetheless, you know, mm-hmm. we have to make do. And so scheduling becomes a, um, a, uh, interesting feat. This morning I attended a, a biweekly meeting of department heads where, where we discuss what's going on in the city and, and things that the, the council is considering and or has approved. Um, as you mentioned, building and maintaining relationships. We have Grinnell College in town, so certainly, certainly that is an ongoing process. And, mm-hmm. and I'm very thankful that that uh, Grinnell College is comprised of administrators that are are um, very eager um, to integrate and participate with the community at large. And so we have a good working relationship with the administration. We have a good working relationship with their public safety department. And so while it requires constant work, it's not heavy lifting. Yeah. Uh, in terms of my officers, I mean, they are really the the uh, the glue of this department. Um, we have a great staff of sworn and uh, civilian staff. Our officers work a 12-hour shift. Hmm. Officers are either assigned to the day side or the night side. You know, on nights we generally have three officers. During the day, it's two officers plus the captain and I. Um, but because you know of our staffing levels, the captain and I find ourselves filling in shifts um, from time to time. Wow. Uh, you know, going back to my father for a minute, one of the things that I I was always taught that don't ask anybody to do anything that you wouldn't do or haven't done. So I jump in to cover the road so as to not um, mess around too badly with my officers. I like going out on the road and working with my officers so I can see what they're um, being confronted with um, and dealing with. Um, I like to go on the road so the public sees me and they see that 
I do watch um, as to what goes on. It provides me with an opportunity to en engage the, the public on, on varying topics and issues. Our officers are, are pretty busy uh, for a town our size. You know, uh, I just finished up one of my duties is, is I have to do a uh, monthly report to the city council and then an annual report. And so we just finished up with the annual report where, where we had just under 15,000 calls for service in 2018. <laughs> Wow. For, for, so that's all the activities uh, that right. our officers engage in. So that's calls for service, uh, directed activity that they um, engage in. You know, the days of just driving around aimlessly uh, right. is kind of, it's gone. So it's more about directed patrol activities. So in addition to answering their calls for service, um, you know, they engage in activities like school checks. Our day shift officers can be seen in the schools during the day. Um, it, it, we've been doing it since I got here in 2012. Uh, the kids feel comfortable with us in the schools. The administrators and the staff feel comfortable with us in the schools. There's enhanced communication by us being in the schools. And um, it provides a, uh, a target harden, hardening, if you will, where if somebody's looking to do something, and I would use the example of somebody that's just lost their parental custody, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kids out on the playground, you know, thinking about going and, and grabbing their child and taking off because they've lost their parental rights for whatever the reason. One thing they've got to think about is, is am I going to run into a GPD officer? Because I know GPD officers hit the schools. Right. So my officers do school checks, um, obviously traffic enforcement um, and traffic targeted enforcement of our problem areas, whether that be for traffic related issues or criminal related issues. Um, they're out on foot in the downtown area, again, trying to engage the public for non-enforcement related issues, trying to get out and get with the college. And our, our officers also have collateral duties. So their, the patrol function is not the only thing they do. Officers are assigned to community outreach or vehicle maintenance or animal control or traffic. Mm -hmm. We have an officer assigned to multifamily housing as a liaison in the event there are issues at a multi-housing family development training. So, so needless to say, whether, whether because of their patrol function or their collateral duties, um, our officers keep pretty busy. Um, quite frankly, that 12 hours may seem like a long time, but it, it really flies by uh, with everything that they're engaged in. Yeah, that's just... I mean, you, when you run through all that, it's incredible how much work is being done by local police departments and the police officers and chiefs. It's just um, what rings in my head is true community service. I mean, they're just constantly uh, engaging the public in different ways and making sure that people are aware of the, the, the of that connection and that their uh, their police department is there for them. Uh, it's just incredible uh, to hear all that. So one of the reasons, too, we like to interview city officials on the square is to help build a better understanding of municipal government and, and sometimes do a little myth busting. So do you have any myths about law enforcement that, uh, that maybe we could have busted today? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if you'd call them myths, but uh, a couple of things come to mind. Um, first and foremost, my officers and I, we are human beings. Right. Um, you know, you, I, I think back to my childhood days with Dragnet and and Joe Friday and how he spoke and how succinct he was and mm -hmm. how scripted he sounded. 
Um, we're human beings. Um, our brains are not robotic, not computer-like. We make mistakes. When we make a mistake, we learn from it and we move on from it. You know, there's a lot of studies going on over the last five, six years that relates to officer use of force. How many times do you hear somebody saying when, when an officer unfortunately has to use uh, deadly force by firing their, their weapon at somebody, you know, you hear the proverbial, why couldn't they have shot him in the, the arm or the leg or shot the gun out of their hand? And, and the reality is that under those tense circumstances, the way the human brain works, there's a thing called action and reaction. Um, there have been instances where officers have shot someone after the subject had had dropped their weapon. But unfortunately, unlike a computer, our brain receives a message and then delivers that message. Well, from the time that the brain receives the message, gun in hand, and then the, the subject drops the gun, the officer is reacting to that initial message of, hey, he's got a gun, shoot. People just need to take into consideration that, that we are human beings. We have advanced training, no doubt about it, but, but they need to keep in mind that we are human beings mm-hmm. um, and that we, we do make mistakes sometimes. And as I tell my officers all the time, you know, I can, I can, I can live with the absence of the, the head. Um, you know, we'll do what we need to do, training, uh, sometimes discipline, but we'll move on absences of the heart that's another matter you know i'm fortunate here that you know we have officers that are here because they want to be here because they want to help the public and 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 so i very rarely if ever have an issue of the absence of of the heart the other thing you know again keeping on that use of force topic you know how many times have i heard you know commentary on how uh, an officer's use of force didn't look good it was ugly well I'm here to tell you that I've never seen a officer use of force look good. Um, yeah. it, is, it is ugly by its nature. Part of uh, my department meeting we had last week, one of the thing I spoke to my officers about was is over the last three, four years, our uses of force have been consistently going down. Um, I think we had 19 last year. Um, and I, I, part of that is training. Part of that, I, I would say, venture a large majority of that is, is because of training. But again, no use of force ever looks good. And in my yeah. 30 years, I've never seen a use of force when somebody obeyed the officer's command and did mm-hmm. what the officer asked. Um, I've never seen that. So, you know, unfortunately, um, officers are, are reacting to what's taking place. Um, during our Citizens Police Academy every year, I talk to our participants how law enforcement officers are by their very nature, control freaks. <laughs> it's not that we want to be control freaks, but we learn either through easy way or hard way that, that when we control scenes and we control people at those scenes, generally speaking, things go okay. Um, it's, not, it's when we don't control scenes, when we, we don't control subjects that we're encountering that's when things go sideways and and in my experience they go sideways pretty quick so uh, and i guess the the other last thing i'll end with in terms of myth busting is is you know how many times throughout my career and how many times have my officers heard when you know they're conducting traffic enforcement uh, the motorist asked if why don't don't we have anything better to do or why aren't we <laughs> criminals <laughs> right well, guess what 
Um, first of all, we do catch criminals through traffic contacts. We arrest people who are wanted. We identify the driver who's intoxicated, who's suspended, revoked, no insurance. And I don't know, I, I can't think of anything better than activities that um, lead to reduction in people getting injured. So traffic collisions. Some of the main reasons for traffic collisions are speed, fair to obey a traffic control device, or driver inattention. So, and we see injuries when people aren't wearing what? They're not wearing their seatbelt. Right. So traffic enforcement is an important piece of what we do. Um, you know, we are a law enforcement agency. Right. Um, that is our primary function. And so when you hear the, you know, don't you have anything better to do or why aren't you catching criminals? That's one way of keeping people safe um, and identifying or catching criminals, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, what you're getting at, I was fortunate enough to work with the city government uh, before joining the league and worked with the police department on several different projects, got to meet a lot of the officers. And one of the things I, I share with my own friends is they're regular people. You know, they, these are ladies and, and gentlemen that, uh, you know, they're, they're your average residents of the community. They want to help out. They have their public service in their heart uh, or else they wouldn't do it. It's a pretty tough job. And so I know it's sometimes we forget that and we look at uh, police officers and law enforcement officials as, as you said, kind of robotic. They're just, you know, they're going out there and uh, writing citations or what have you. And it's like, no, nah, these, these are people who really care. They really right. care deeply. The vast majority time we're, we're, and, you know, for Grinnell, um, we issue way more warnings than citations. Yeah. And I would suggest to your point, there's more than just the uniform. There's something underneath the uniform. As I mentioned mm -hmm. before, we're human beings. We have families. We have loved ones. We have concerns. Right. Just as I would expect my officers to be treating people with dignity and respect during their contacts, I would I would hope that my family members would receive the same if, if they have contact with law enforcement. Yeah. Does Grinnell have a police dog? We do not. You don't. Okay. <laughs> it's recruitment time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Dennis, one more question, and this one's, I mean, maybe you covered this a little bit, uh, but what is the, what would you say is the best and worst part of your job? The best part of the job, and I'm, I'm thankful to say I, I got into this profession to help my community. Um, and so the best part of the job is doing just that, coming into work, and being able to help a member or members of our community on a daily basis. Um, no issue is too small in my eyes. You know, sometimes, and, and as I explain to my officers, an individual may have one contact with law enforcement during the course of their life. So it's our goal to make that contact as, poss as, as good as possible and, you know, where we can help somebody to certainly try and help them. Certainly, we're governed by policy. We're governed by law. You know, sometimes, unfortunately, people are asking us to do things that we just can't do. Mm -hmm. um, but, but by far, it's it's just being able to to help those individuals. And and quickly along those lines, years ago, um, I arrested a gentleman for uh, for driving while intoxicated. Um, and when he came into court, um, he ended up pleading guilty. And he actually turned around to me um, and thanked me for saving his life. Um, he 
apparently was a chronic alcoholic and and had had been running into issues over the years with alcohol being the root cause of it all. And apparently the contact with that I had with him one night and his subsequent arrest, I guess, flipped a switch for him and turned it around for him. So so even when we're taking enforcement action, I'd like to think that we're affecting in a positive way these people. Right. The worst part of this job, uh, I would say, is just seeing the dark side of our society at times. Mm, yeah. um, you know, unfortunately, my well, my daughters in their middle school, the, the school motto was self-discipline and mutual respect. And I, I unfortunately can't tell you the number of times where we have contacts with with individuals where the root cause of the issue is just that they they lack self discipline or they lack mutual respect of their their fellow human being. Yeah. Um, that's that's it's sad. It's sad. Yeah, no doubt. That's tough. Very tough. And that's that's again going back to like kind of the human element of the job that sometimes we overlook the the, the average citizen out there that um, a police officer is expected to to be able to handle that and move on and then still serve their community. That, I think that's, uh, and a lot of times that can be a, a tough balancing act. You know, it's funny, a chief I worked with out East years ago made the comment of, you know, believe it or not, uh, the public may not be aware of this, but when our phone ring rings, it's generally not somebody saying, hey, I just want to let you guys know I love my family, I love my spouse, I love my kids, I love my job. Um, you know, um, I'm doing well for myself. I have absolutely no issues. Yeah, no. Uh, generally, <laughs> when our when our phone is ringing, it's it's a problem, and you know, it's our job to try and resolve the problem in the best way possible. Um, you know, and unfortunately, our officers are are exposed to that the to that darker side of things all too frequently. Yeah. Well, I mean, hate that on a sad note, but I would like to go back to just. Um, your your service to your community is obviously near and dear to you, and I think that's just uh, really uh, what we feel when we talk to our police chiefs around the state and the and the officers that serve their communities. It's, it's clearly a, a job of working for the public, and we can't thank you enough for doing that along with the entire uh, police department in Grinnell, along with all the law enforcement community around the state. Thank you very much for your service. Thank you. And it's been it's an absolute joy to to work in this profession and in this state. That's good. That's good to hear. We're glad to have you. Yeah, we are glad to have you. Well, Chief uh, Dennis Riley from Grinnell, we appreciate your time and, and thanks for coming on The Square. Thank you very much. All right. The Square is brought to you by the Iowa League of Cities. Come and see us at www.iowaleague.org. What a great interview with Chief Riley. I really appreciated that. All right, next we are going to move into our Get to Know Your League staff, and we have none other than, dun dun dun, <laughs> Andrew Justice. Good afternoon. Welcome. Mickey, Katie. <laughs> Thanks for joining the square, Andrew. Glad to be here. Thank you. You're so serious right now. We're at the get you comfortable yeah i'm a i'm sure a numbers guy so yeah <laughs> I, I need more mountain dew i think <laughs> try some coffee i got a lecture right there yeah i don't it's too much for me mickey sorry <laughs> it's a little strong yeah a little bit hey so andrew quickly the, the the special or the important stuff what's your title what you do for the league i'm, I'm wca and uh, how long you've been with us um 
I've been with the league for about two years now. Uh, my title is underwriting analyst, where I basically do everything but claims and HR. I would process all the member applications, do all the renewals, process audits, as well as provide members with information that they need for budgeting and to be successful throughout the year. Are you busy right now? Extremely busy. Um, Our renewal is July 1st, so I am in the process of mailing out all the renewal worksheets where the members fill in the payroll that they want for the upcoming year, and we devise a premium out of that. Hmm. Sounds fun. It's a lot of fun, Mickey. Thank you. You would would love that. Thank you for doing that. Yes. (laughs) And I'm sure our members appreciate it. Uh, A little background about you personally. Where did you grow up and go to school? I was born in Fort Dodge. I moved to Ankeny when I was young and went to Ankeny High School. I played football and basketball there. Go Hawks. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I went to Iowa State uh, to major in psychology And I also went to Upper Iowa University where I got my master's in business administration. Cool. I love to learn, so I also have a few insurance designations as well. Did you like football or basketball better? Um, I was definitely a better football player, so I enjoyed football more than basketball. Basketball, you had to run way too much in practice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, I think sometimes it's running to run. Like, why are we doing this? Correct, especially after Thanksgiving when you <laughs> eat all that, all that mm-hmm. hefty food. Uh-huh. So when you're not here at the office, uh, what do you like to do? Still play some sports? or? Yeah, I enjoy um, being active when it's nice outside. Iowa winters kind of prohibit that four to five months out of the year. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy golfing, uh, playing basketball with friends or pickup games. Um, I also enjoy uh, listening to music. Being with my three cats at home mm-hmm. um, and just relaxing, enjoying outside when I can. Yeah. What kind of music are we talking about? I listen to rap music. Mm-hmm. Exclusively. Uh, exclusively. I'm, yes, for about 30 years. I've like, are you to serious rap right now? Music. Old school rap? Any type of rap. New, old, it doesn't matter. Hmm. Huh. Can you lay down a yeah? Um, I will not lay down any beats or rhymes at this time, Uh but someone will have to give me a call if they want to hear. Can you like who's your all-time favorite? Tupac was my all-time favorite. Okay, we can talk. Um, And he passed away when I was thirteen. I cried at school that day, so it was a rough time for me. Yes, a lot of us were in tears. I, I was the only one, I'm sure. All right, what's the best career advice you've ever received? I've received a lot of career advice um, throughout my time working, and I guess the best advice I've had was through working with my grandpa doing lawn care. Um, Through his actions, I learned customer service, uh, hard work, and to do the right thing or to do it right the first time rather than having to go back and do it again. He always used to tell me, work smarter, not harder. So I always took that into account with, with a lot of things that I do to be Absolutely. efficient. Yeah, excellent advice. So what do you enjoy uh, most about working here at the league? My coworkers is probably the most that I enjoy. You're um, not I'll, required to say that. No, it's not. <laughs> Mickey's not my favorite. Thank but, you. But all the unique personalities and, and the different skill sets, um, it's just fun to work here and, and get to know everyone. 
Um, as well as the members, I really enjoy educating members about workers' compensation and, and help them get their employees home safe every day. That's cool. You kind of left out one part about working here that we all enjoy about you, at least, and that is the incredible athleticism that you display when we do our weekly stretches and weekly exercise, staff exercise. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background. I do high kicks on Monday stretch days, mm -hmm. which I can do that because I used to punt oh, in high school. So right? okay. I only can lift my right leg above my head. The left leg <laughs> doesn't quite go up that far. Well, I mean, I had and no now idea. the truth that comes out. The, yeah. I never knew this. That You've been showing truth. us up for the past if I month. Didn't, if I didn't punt, I would not be doing uh, this. Last, this week, I think I saw a somersault. Yeah. Too, so. in a, Cartwheel, yeah. somersault, high kick. Yeah. It's like nothing you've ever seen. Mickey is next week. Oh, man. That's a guaranteed injury. <laughs> that, uh, I think we've um, revealed it on the podcast that I'm reaching my uh, 40th birthday here soon. So, yeah, any attempts I would have thought you're much older, Mickey. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's so <laughs> kind of you to say. Yeah, I feel much older. If that's well, awesome. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have, I couldn't have told by the gray beard, Mickey, <laughs> that you'd only be 40 right now. But if I show up without a beard tomorrow, you know why. <laughs> but no, that's a guaranteed injury if I tried to even do a somersault these days. Uh, anyways. Would love to see it. Yeah, we'll give it a shot. Andrew, thanks for joining the Square. Love working with you. Keep up the great work. Anytime, Mickey and Katie. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. All right. This week, we're sitting down again with our Director of Government Affairs, Robert Palmer. How are you today, Robert? Hey, I'm great, Ryan. Thanks for having me. All right. So funnel week was last week, correct? And uh, what yes. does that mean for us and our members? Well, so that's correct. We are now on week seven of the legislative session. It's expected to last around 15 weeks. So we're almost to that halfway mark that we're all waiting for. Uh, as you mentioned, first funnel was last week. Essentially, that means that a bill has to have made it through a committee in the chamber of origination. Simply, a bill has to pass through a committee in the chamber that introduced it. So if it's a House file, it needs to pass through a House committee or a Senate file through a Senate committee. And then March 20th, which will be here before we know it, is the second funnel. And for that funnel, a bill will have to have passed out of the chamber of origination and through a committee in the other chamber. And so those are, are procedural steps that are put in place to uh, you know, try and make sure that legislation gets its due process before it passes. And uh, what can we expect moving forward? Great question. So you know, prior to the first funnel, we see tons and tons of bills getting filed, I mean, easily in the hundreds. And legislation's easy to file, but thankfully the process is set up so that passing legislation is an uphill climb. That means that most of the legislation that's introduced won't pass. So the weeks up until now have been filled with subcommittees where we go and discuss legislation and then legislators decide whether or not to sign off uh, with a recommendation to pass it out of the full committee. But now that we've gotten uh, to this stage of the legislative session, bills will spend time in their Ways and Means and Appropriations Committees, and legislators will try and pass those bills which pass through the funnel off of the, the House or Senate floor so that it can get over to the other chamber and then can be passed through a committee over there to get through that second funnel. 
And uh, what are the big issues that are going on at the Capitol? Anything we should be aware of? Great question. So those seem to change almost every day. But I will tell you a big one that a lot of our members are probably seeing uh, as the governor gets out there to talk about her bill is uh, the significant proposal called the Invest in Iowa Act. So I think we may have talked about this last time I was on, but essentially it's the governor's plan to raise the state sales tax by one penny and then use that money to fund water quality, income tax cuts, property tax cuts, as well as mental health funding. So a lot of big things uh, to put under the tent there going into an election year. And Republicans in the Senate continue to be interested by tax cuts. Uh, They're looking for ways to do that, which are financially stable going forward. And right now the state's financial position is good, but there's always uncertainty about the future. Uh, Some big things we're talking about is talking about promoting tools for cities to attract and retain public safety officers. We've been talking a lot about defending economic development programs such as TIF, uh, ensuring that legislators continue to maintain that commitment to fund the backfill, and as always, defending cities against unfunded mandates or a reduction in revenue-generating options. All right. Well, it sounds like you're really busy up there. Um, I want to thank you for stopping by and, you know, giving us a little bit of your time because it really sounds like you don't have a lot of it. Well, thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate it. All right. Rock and roll. All right. We are back with the question of the month. Here we go. Here we are. Can we stump Mickey? Not hard to do. Should my community do goal setting? That's not going to stump me, but I do. I would say it's got. <laughs> there's a lot of different ways to answer this. The simplest thing I'd say is yes. Uh, you should always. Any organization should do goal setting, or planning, or strategic planning, whatever you want to call it. I think the reason people ask this is in city government, it's very easy to just get ta- caught up in just getting the daily services done, the daily commitments. Uh, in this episode, we talked with Police Chief Dennis Riley from Grinnell. And law enforcement is a prime example of every day something is thrown at you. And he even said about how every day is different. And that's largely because of citizen demands for your time. Uh, But at the same time, a police department, like every other city department, also has to look to the future, um, plan out needs for new squad cars uh, or new equipment. What kind of training do do the officers need? All of that takes a lot of thought, a lot of planning to get it done properly and to utilize the city's funds, uh, the revenues, uh, in the most efficient manner possible. So the way you do that is really through goal setting, through st- strategic planning. And while we could go on and on about this topic, because there's many different ways that cities can get those uh, processes accomplished and arrive with a, a fresh plan to utilize, um, I would just simply say join us at our Municipal Leadership Academy Part 3 sessions coming up in April. Uh, those will offer guidance to the attendees on uh, how to do city goal setting, city strategic planning, and the value in them and what those plans can include. So check that out. We also have information on our website that gets into uh, goal setting and strategic planning. But I would simply encourage all cities out there to do something. Even if it's a smaller city, you may only have three goals for the next year or four or five. That's fine. At least you've got some kind of plan to help guide your decision making down the road. So check it out. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, hey. Another episode down. It was a fun one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great to hear from uh, Police Chief Dennis Riley. A lot of good insight into the law enforcement world. Thanks to Andrew Justice for the staff interview and Robert Palmer for helping us uh, get an update on the legislative affairs right now. And as always, stay in tune with us. Uh, 
by sending in uh, your questions to the square at iowaleague.org. And Katie, take us home. Mr. Shields, <laughs> I want to break out in song right now. <laughs> take me home tonight. <laughs> anyway, all right. We'll that was see, being recorded, by we'll the way. We'll see you next month. Yeah. <laughs>